Welcome into the News for Jags podcast. This is our second week, and sadly, we're already talking about the team's first loss. Uh, Justin Barney here with me, and uh, not uh, the start to the Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence era that anybody wanted. Not <laughs> what we talked about last week. I think you and I both agreed that it was going to be a Jaguars win, and we were expecting to see some some progression like we saw from that Cowboys preseason finale. And man, talk about an all-time backfire. Yeah, it looked like they used up all their offensive firepower in that last week of the preseason. Um, I, obviously, we need to reflect on that that game a little bit before we can really move on. Uh, my biggest takeaway was that when James Robinson changed his number from 30 to 25, Daryl Bevel must not have updated his roster sheet and just thought that James Robinson wasn't at the game. That's the only thing that I can do to justify the fact that this guy walked out with only five carries. That's absolutely ridiculous. That's, um, you know, there's no other way to describe it. I mean, you got a 1,000-yard back, James Robinson. Urban Meyer has talked and stressed that quarterback's best friend and offense's best friend is an offense that can move the ball on the ground. And whether it be Carlos Hyde, James Robinson, they moved the ball well on the ground. Granted, penalties brought a couple of those first down runs back, and you know maybe that sapped the energy, that changed the game plan. But I don't know why James Robinson gets five carries in that game. It's, it's inexcusable. And I know Meyer defended it saying – the game was was the game called for passing the ball and moving it, but foolish. I just don't buy that. Foolish! It's foolish. There, there's no way around it. James Robinson has got to get the ball more if this team wants to win games. Um, outside of that, I mean, Trevor Lawrence three touchdowns, three interceptions. I'm not hitting the panic button. Though there was a lot of good that he did on the field. I mean, if you didn't walk away from that game looking at it and saying this kid has the talent to be the best quarterback in Jaguars history, just from looking at that. A game with three interceptions, I don't know what game yeah, you're watching. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, I remember back when, when Blake Bortles made his first start and, uh, you know, he threw a wobbly ball, but you know, there was potential. There was, okay, maybe there's something going on here, but never the type of like a Trevor Lawrence debut. I mean, the throws he made in that game, first to Chris Manhurts, that 22-yard touchdown, and then particularly that throw to DJ Chark where things were not going well and he just turned it up, cranked it, fired it in between the – corner in the safety and it was just a missile that he threw and throws like that got to give you hope yeah and I mean I don't know uh, we've spent a, a, the start of the show talking about the offense and the issues that w- we had and the things that people are seeing because personally I didn't have high expectations for the defense I kind of expected that sort of outing um, there was no pass rush Josh Allen the only guy that walks out with a sack I mean we had issues with Tyson Campbell again not knowing how to play the ball I mean some people say that Rayshon Jenkins should have made the play to bat it down but I mean one way or another the defense didn't get the job done because realistically speaking, the Jaguars offense did score enough points that you'd think you'd be able to beat a really bad Texans team. Yeah, 37 to the Texans. There's no way you can do that. It's just, it's indefensible. And, you know, when we talked last week on the pod, it was, you know, the the, the units I was looking forward to seeing, I mean, Trevor, take, take Trevor out of the equation, were the offensive and defensive lines. It's the first time the offensive line played together with, with all five starters, with Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I didn't think they played particularly bad. There was one sack. Um, but I just I, there's something about that line yet that's just not that comfortable to me. And I you know maybe it was a couple penalties that that erased the gains. Um, but you got to see that offensive line step up and play a little bit better. And that defensive line we, early on in that game, Josh Allen had the sack, and you know you're thinking, okay, things are going to change. Maybe Jaguars pressure coming in first quarter of the season. You already got a sack, and it just never got any better after that. There's still no Robin to Josh Allen's Batman. I mean, Caleb on Chase on just looked 
lost on multiple plays. It it, it was like he didn't know where he was at at times out on the football field. I mean, just getting turned around. Um, So, I mean, uh, that offensive line, I think that George Warhop is a guy who has a target on his back. I mean, he's a holdover from the old regime. He's got the exact same players that he had before, and the guys didn't perform. If he doesn't get the offensive line to play better at some point and really produce this year, he's going to be on the street. Uh, and they will be replacing him. Urban has no ties to this guy. Um, and I guess that kind of leads us into what's been a hot-button topic. A lot of fans uh, looking at that USC job and saying after the Jaguars week one loss that maybe Urban Meyer is looking at another job. Yeah, you've seen a lot of reports coming out that you know they're saying there's already internal strife amongst uh, Meyer and some of his staff. Um, you know, Is he going to bail after a loss or two? Is he going to walk at the end of the season? I, I don't know to, whether to, to wholeheartedly believe any of those things. Um, you know, it's Panic Monday, the aftermath of a highly anticipated game, and you go out and lay an egg like that. I think there's um, certainly some uh, some questions and, and fans deflated, but I think it would be probably career suicide for Urban to walk out of, uh, of a situation like this after such a, an abbreviated timing. Bobby Petrino, I've heard those. Um, you know, those comparisons, but I just don't think we're at that point yet. Look, the, se- the before the season starts, that's hype season for fans. Every team is a Super Bowl or a playoff contender, and there's every reason their rookie class is going to be nothing but superstars. After week one, that is overreaction season. Your team lost, and then all of a sudden it's burn the place down, everything's terrible, we need to, to reinvent the wheel. I mean, you... We need to take a step back. Let's let's relax here. Urban Meyer came to the NFL for a reason. He is at a point in his career where I'm going to just go ahead and spoil this for you. He does not want to deal with the transfer portal or recruiting. He's not going back to college. If it doesn't work in the NFL, dude is going to retire and go sit at home. That's the end of story. This is it for Urban. And USC, <laughs> is USC even a job that you would no. leave a Trevor Lawrence situation That's for? a complete Absolutely rebuild. Not. I mean, you can't convince me that there are even the pieces in place. Now, if you talk told me Nick Saban stepped down at Alabama would Urban Meyer be interested yes because I could probably walk into Alabama right now and coach them to a national championship Um, but USC isn't that sort of program I mean it's going to be a multi-year rebuild they don't have the talent Urban's not going there it's a similar situation to Texas Uh, it's you know it's these programs yes they're they're alpha programs but they're holding on to that past glory I mean Texas is not the same program that it once was. USC, UCLA, those programs are not, you know, historically they're a huge name. There's tons of money there, but they're not a program that, you know, it's not an Alabama. When was the last time USC was nationally relevant? I mean, we're talking legitimately Matt Leinhart, Reggie Bush days. I mean, even when Sam Darnold was there, they weren't that good. They were an overhyped program that would get in big games and lose. So, no, he's not going there. If If we start talking about coaches that could be on their way out from Jacksonville, which I mean, I think we're, we are still a little early in that process. Urban Meyer isn't one of them. If there was a guy right now that I said is gone next year and you put betting odds on it, I would be the most willing to take Daryl Bevel. I don't think he is long for Jacksonville based on what I've seen, based on the reaction from Urban Meyer, the looks, even from preseason, where he said the offense was sluggish. And I asked him blatantly after that, do you blame that on Trevor Lawrence? He said, no, I blame it on the coaches. That That's like pointing the finger right at Daryl Bevel. Hey, dude, 
put the plays in quicker. And then the offense has all this talent. No one's going to tell me that the defense is more talented than the Jaguars' offense. Trevor Lawrence walked into a great situation with a, a veteran offensive line, with playmakers at wide receiver, a 1,000-yard back at running back. You've got a, a, a decent enough tight end who can block, one that can catch some passes. He has pieces around him where this offense should be explosive. It has not looked explosive. Absolutely at all. And again, you saw the Cowboys game, and I think that's where, um, again, they were backups, scrubs, whatever you want to call it, practice squad guys that the Jaguars are going against. But you saw that offense develop. You saw it act quicker. You saw it get out of the gates faster. And I think almost you had this misled feeling of that's what the offense was going to look like in week one, and it just never felt like that. It never felt like uh, they got out of the starting gate. And I think – um, I think some of that can be attributed to coaching. I think um, I don't know if the, the coaches didn't have them ready to play. I don't know if the Texans did something early on in that game to throw them for a loop, but you had to have been able to adjust, and they just did not do anything. Very disappointing game. I'm, I'm having buyer's remorse on Bevel here. I mean, I, it, when he was advertised, you know, Seahawks fans were saying he ran the ball too much, and I'm over here like, hand the ball to James Robinson. That's all I kept saying. The whole first quarter, dude didn't have a carry officially. He had one attempt at the end of the first quarter, but it was called back because of a penalty. That cannot happen. I don't care if, what game, who you're playing against. Trevor Lawrence is great, but you've got to hand the ball off or some sort of balance to back the, to try and pull some safeties in. And you've got a running back who can do that. At the very least, let's play action the thing and, and just at least give them the, the, the belief that yeah. you might hand Trev, the ball Trev, You can't have Trevor throwing 51 times a game. No. I mean, unless you're in a shootout, a 50-40 to 40 game, but... Yeah, that's just a recipe for disaster. But they, you don't coaches, want a rookie doing that. No. You, we, we don't want a rookie there. Maybe in year three, can Trevor handle those kinds of games where he has to just put the ball on in his hands and, and put it on his shoulder? Sure. His first NFL game, there's no excuse to do that. Uh, like they scripted out the first 15 plays is what Bevel said. And I don't understand how in those first 15 plays, the first play probably should have been a handoff through the A-gap to James Robinson. Let's just get a play out of the way. Let's give it to a guy who knows what he's doing. The second play probably should have been a screen pass because you know your offensive line ain't that good and to get Trevor Lawrence a completion. I mean, let, let run the ball and build the offense through James Robinson early in the game. Let Trevor get his feet under him. Okay, now my first completion's out the way. Now let's push the ball down the field a little bit. With how James Robinson caught the ball the other day, though. Yeah, Maybe a yeah. screen pass may not have been the best option. We had drops, <laughs> penalties. It was just a, such a bad performance. You know, Trevor, I think, was sailing the ball on, on quite a few of those throws. He had 10 or 11 targets to DJ Chark. He only caught three of those passes, and a lot of them weren't even catchable balls. So I think Trevor was uh, out of his game. Um, you know, his final stats look good. Three touchdowns, over 300 yards passing, but very, very skewed and uh, deceptive stat line. And uh, it, it, I mentioned disappointing. Um, it's just more of the same, I think, for Jaguars fans. You know, you look at social media and that's, oh, we, we suck again. We are terrible again. You know, it's the same stuff because they've seen it over and over again. Right, and, and you know, I don't think that I think that's why there's the overreaction to this. Yes, the Texans are not expected to be a very good team, but they they're rebuilding very differently than the Jaguars are. This co the coaching staff in Houston brought in nothing but veteran NFL guys, guys that know what the NFL is about and are rebuilding that way. That is a short viewed rebuild. That is building a team that will win some games along the way and be competitive in some other ones, but there's no long term longevity there put together. The Jaguars are trying to put together a foundation to build success in the long term. So you've got all these young guys that 
either are one or two years into the NFL but have no idea what it's like to be a winner. And then you've got all these young players like a Trevor Lawrence that are coming in that have no idea of what the NFL is like. So it's completely it's two different ways of rebuilding the team. The Jaguars way is a little bit more. uh, It's going to take a little bit more time. But my issue wasn't necessarily with the players. The players didn't look outmatched. I think the Jaguars were fundamentally outcoached. I agree. Uh, I, I think the play calling was bad. I just don't you know, Meyer said this week that these are not mistakes you're making in the first week of the season. This this should have been preseason stuff. Yeah. Game plan should have been in place to where they knew exactly what they're doing. And it just felt like watching that game that they were coaching wise outclassed by David Culley and the, the Texan staff. And um, that's an experience, I think. I think it's Urban Meyer not being as, uh, um, you know, plugged into the NFL stuff, relying on the guys around him. And I think the guys around him uh, did not do a good job at uh, creating a game plan and having those guys ready. I, I think, and I, I've said it before, I think the biggest mistake that Urban Meyer made was when he was putting together his staff, he didn't bring in one guy, not one guy, that's been a former NFL head coach and knows what it's like to lead a program. And I understand that Urban Meyer wants to be the smartest person in the room, and that was his thing. And that's fine, and I think he did put together a decent coaching staff, but if he had a veteran head coach on that staff, I guarantee you they'd have told him, "Hey, look, we gotta we gotta ramp things up a little bit. We gotta do something different." I expected Joe Cullen to have some growing pains. He's never called defensive plays before, so I think he'll get better with his play calling. He'll learn his players a little bit, and they'll they'll get guys like Andrew Wingard off the field and stop being stubborn. They they'll put the talent in the right places. The defense will grow forward. My biggest question mark, and I. At this point, I'm just harping on Daryl Bevel. But the play calling was terrible. I mean, there I, I can't see a bright spot with, with the orientation. I mean, Trevor Lawrence's average pass, 6.5 yards. That ain't going to get it done. You're not going to convince me that Tyrod Taylor is completing 8.8 yards per pass. He has a better arm than Tyrod Trevor Tyrod freaking Taylor. Yeah, Are you kidding you know? me? <laughs> I, it just it blows my mind. And you mentioned play calling. I don't think a good offensive coordinator is going to completely abandon the run. No. At that early in the game, okay, you're you're down. At, to me, you're, the the telling point was your 17-7 game, and you're still not running the ball in the first half. You're right. still firing it all over the place. I mean, slow the game down, bring it back to you, try to get something going, and the Jags give up 10 points at the end of that half, and basically the last four minutes of the of the half, just inexcusable for that to happen. It's like they hit the panic button. Like as soon as the game started and the Texans went down and scored, it was like panic. We don't know what's going on. Everybody scramble. Okay, let's go into last minute row. Put all of it on Trevor Lawrence. He'll figure it out. And you can't do that in the kid's first game. I mean, that's not that's a disservice to him to to ask him to do that. It but, just it, it's almost like they forgot what they set out to do. Right. You know, they forgot what um. You know, I know I know the pace of the game and and how the game is flowing dictates things, but. You're, you're supposed to be a run-first team. You're supposed to be a power team that sets up play action, sets up Trevor, um, opens things up downfield. And to completely abandon that, by the end of the first half, is just, it just it's, it's almost the, the moment was too big for the coaches in the situation. Um, and you've got to rectify that. And I think a lot of that falls back on Urban and, and his inexperience. Um, I don't think a, um, you know, a Belichick or somebody with that NFL head coaching experience. Belichick's probably a bad example, but <laughs> I know Urban has uh, leaned on Bill a lot. But I think it's just um, that inexperience of Urban and having to place so much trust in guys around him. A lot of guys who've never been coordinators before um, around them and. 
you know, I, I think uh, he feels particularly burned and, and uh, scorned when uh, when things don't go his way. Well, let's not let's hope the wheels don't fall off this thing just yet. Uh, let's go on ahead and move on to our next game. Uh, the Jaguars will have their home opener, which I guess fans are a little bit let down now leading up to this home opener. But they will host the Denver Broncos on Sunday. And, you know, the Denver Broncos are a team that I kind of, almost compared to the Texans a little bit. Actually, a good version of the Houston Texans. Both the the Broncos' defense much better than the Texans' defense. And then that offense, there are some similarities there, specifically at the quarterback situation. you got Teddy Bridgewater, who his game lends itself a little bit to Tyrod Taylor. They're veteran guys. They're not going to wow anybody, but they don't make a whole lot of mistakes, and they just play solid winning football typically. Uh, so the Jaguars are going to have their hands full. Um, I guess the one thing that you can almost say, and I guess Joe Cullen's probably sleeping a little bit better at night, uh, we never want to see guys hurt, but Jerry Judy not going to be playing this week for the Broncos. He had, had a pretty serious injury last week. So that's one less thing, so we don't have to worry about one Judy. One less guy you know, for, hey. to run past Tyson Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, at some point, I don't think, once Trey Herndon's healthy, and I have I think Trey Herndon is a really nice guy. I think he's a really nice guy, but uh, my, my description of Trey Herndon since I've been here is he is the cornerback that could lead your team in tackles because he's always in close enough to make the tackle but never close enough to break up the pass. And Tyson Campbell just makes me long for putting Trey Herndon on the field because Campbell's just that guy that I'm going to stare you in your eyes and I might try and play your hand, but he will never turn that head around and just look for the ball. And he, it drives you insane. He has the athletic ability to make the plays. He's there, and he will never turn around. And he's going to find out. He's going to start getting those P.I. flags because they, the referees in the NFL have no bouts about pulling out that yellow flag and saying, well, you didn't look for the ball, and you were all over the receiver. Yeah, and he had a good training camp. And, uh, you know, I looked when I when the Jaguars drafted Tyson Campbell. I'm a, a Georgia follower, and I, Tyson Campbell did not do much in college. I know they drafted him more for projection. Uh, in potential, but he was not a, a shutdown corner in college. He was a, a complimentary player in college, and um, he's being, you know, as the game started, we saw uh, in that Saints game, in the preseason game, how much he struggled uh, in the secondary. And, again, it did not help this past week as the Jaguars' secondary was just picked apart. Um, and, yeah, I think C.J. Henderson, I think those guys, as the more they play together, things will get better optimistically. But, it just does not look good, and uh, at this point, and you know, you mentioned Trey Herndon. He's a definition of an average player, but uh, he's an average player that probably should be starting over Tyson Campbell when he's healthy. Oh, he will be. I, I almost guarantee it. And you know, uh, you. But I want to flash back to the Texans one last time because there, I think uh, there were some missed opportunities there. I mean, Shaq almost had that interception to start the game. Rayshon Jenkins tried to get the interception instead of the the bat down. They thought they had the fumble. I mean, if any of those turnovers materialize early in the game you almost feel like that would have juiced this team and pushed them or forward. the Josh Allen fumble recovery that was overturned right uh, you know that was such a huge play at the time you know Texans tried to run like a jet sweep or something on inside the 10 and was uh ruled a forward pass but uh, Josh Allen was right there had they stopped him that drive and and uh held him to without a touchdown there that's a little bit of energy for that defense but just overall 
a bad, bad. I mean, 37 points to the Texans of all teams. Yeah. Texans. All right, let's move on to Denver for, for, for real this time. All right, so Teddy Bridgewater in his first game with the Broncos, uh, he goes 28-36, 264, and two touchdowns. So, uh, obviously, the Jaguars' pass defense is going to have their hands full. Now, the good thing about Teddy is that if you've watched him over the past few years, dude's not really launching bombs down the field. So, it's going to be that short game, and he's going to five-yard you to death. Um, his his leading receiver was Jerry Judy last week. Obviously, Judy not there. So, I mean, they're going to depend on, like, Noah Fant. So, Miles Jack better have his cleats laced up um, and be ready to defend some tight end this week. Um, now, the one thing that I am worried about is uh, Mark Ingram. From last week, the Jaguars struggled with Mark Ingram. Who's and, in his 11th year in the league, yeah, by the way. Yeah, who, who's looked – I mean, when he was in Baltimore, he looked like he was washed and done. And – all of a sudden, he's got new life against the Jaguars. Well, this week they've got Melvin Gordon, who had 101 yards last week, and rookie Javante Williams, who had 45 yards last week. Gordon averaged 9.2 yards a carry last week. If the Jaguars don't find that run defense that we all thought heading into the year that they had, uh, Gordon and Williams could have some big days. Such a you know such an emphasis of of uh, the coaching staff. That everything starts up front, and you know you saw them try to address that in free agency big time. Yeah, I, I just you know you go back to free agency, um, you didn't spend big on the offensive line, you didn't address that in the draft, and with the defensive line, you kind of got just stop gaps, or you got guys that were um, you know projects, or you know showed some potential. You didn't get one of those uh, just those maulers, and you didn't have a lot coming back. You have the edge guys coming back, you have the potential maybe in uh, Calavon. Um, Josh Allen banged up coming back, but you just don't have that identity on the defensive line. And if Urban Meyer wants to play the smash mouth football and uh, overwhelm offensive lines, I don't know if you've got the muscle to do it on this team right now. No, and they don't in the trenches. Um, the defensive line should be improved. I'd, I'd like to see them um, play a little bit better. They do have the talent there to stop the run. Now, where I don't think they have the talent is to get after the quarterback, which if you give Teddy Bridgewater enough time in the pocket, he is going to pick you apart. Um, but I, I, as I mentioned earlier, I do expect the defense to get better week in and week out. They have a lot of young players like C.J. Henderson. Uh, at some point, I expect Andrew Winger to be out of the starting lineup, possibly as early as this week with Andre Sisco moving in. So uh, the defense will slowly improve. They will never be a shutdown defense until they add more pass rush, which isn't coming in the middle of the year. So there, there's no miracle fix for this defense. The defense, at best, at best will be mediocre. I agree. Yeah. I, it just You don't have those guys. I mean, you've got uh, you know your cornerstone on your defensive front is Josh Allen um, and then Miles Jack, but you don't have that guy on the line. I mean, I know we've expected a lot of Devon Hamilton, uh, but he's not a guy that's going to just be a space eater. Um, there's no Aaron Donalds on this team, um, but you just hope for a, a guy like a Calais Campbell. You know, I mean, Calais was a, a a guy that you knew where he was at, and he was going to create an impact, and he took pressure off guys. Um, it feels like ten years ago that he played, but you need that kind of guy on your defensive line uh, to set the tone. You mean a, a Taven Bryan type guy? Taven Bryan, Calais Campbell's number now, right? Uh, you know, I think that's who they wanted Roy Robertson Harris to be because he has that similar stature to to Calais Campbell, and they expected him to be uh, this big, you know, guy. And they, when they talked him up when they signed him, they were like, "We think he's a guy whose career is pointing up. He's got more pass rush juice." And he even talked about being given opportunity to rush the passer here more than he was given in Chicago. 
Chicago. And maybe it's just me, but the entire time that he's been here, nice guy. I have not seen a reason to justify the cash, not one bit. At best, average player who's solid against the run. He doesn't give you much pass rush juice from what I've seen. Um, I don't know what the issue is there or if they just had a wrong pro- projection on who the, his guy was. Uh, but he right now, he's giving you nothing, and I think they thought they were going to get a lot more from him. Yeah, and he did give you a penalty the other day. So personal <laughs> well, foul. Not good things. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I just don't see a guy on this defensive line. And that's disappointing with um, you know, with what they their mentality in free agency was to beef up that defensive line and it seemed like they um, they swung and, and really just kinda worried worried on hitting singles instead of going for that home run guy. And I don't know if it was a, a fact of, you know, we're not there yet, we're not gonna spend all this money in year one of this um, this rebuild project, maybe in year two or three we'll invest in that. But it seemed like they, they just went for um, the fringe guys. Um, the space fillers, and you know that's one one uh, strategy, I guess, to to have. But uh, right now, you're you're working with a lot of role players, working with a lot of guys who you're expecting career years from, and you're getting what we saw last week. Right, and um, I guess. This defense is going to be in a tough spot this week at home. Now, hopefully we can have a sellout crowd for Trevor Lawrence's first official home game in the regular season, which would actually help the defense a lot if we could have some home-field advantage and, and some real crowd noise there. And I think uh, Trevor's going to be fine. Yeah. I think, you know, I think looking at these games, I, I think Trevor is the least of the problems for this team. I don't know if he's going to be fine this week because the Denver Broncos' defense is pretty good. And we, we, we talked about how the offensive line kind of failed him at times uh, – in the first game, well, guess who's coming to town? Von Miller. That's right. And Von Miller's no slouch. You know, uh, Caleb Von Chason went to the Pass Rush Summit this offseason to learn from some of the best pass rushers in the league. You know who hosts it? Von Miller. So I think that just goes ahead and tells you the dude knows a thing or two about how to get to the quarterback. Uh, so uh, Trevor Lawrence is probably going to have to run a little bit. And we're still <laughs> waiting for anything, any payoff on Caleb Von. Yeah, I mean, no, there, that, there was a play against the Texans where – I mean, he had Tyrod Taylor dead in his sights and basically ran right past him. Yeah. Uh, he's just not that player yet. He hasn't developed yet into what uh, a first-round pick should be at all. And then, you know, not long after that, we've got the Cardinals in town. You know, Chandler Jones, five sacks last week. Man, you know, the, the, this schedule, we looked at it at the beginning of the year, and uh, we thought it looked pretty easy. I always said six or seven wins. Um and in those six or seven, I counted two wins against the Texans. So uh, now, what are we down to? We're five off, or we're six? Maybe, yeah, we're not off to a good start here. Um, so the, the schedule is not going to be easy because the Broncos are a legitimate playoff team as long as Teddy Bridgewater is playing well. Uh, so there's no just simple, okay, well, let Teddy beat you. No, Teddy, if you just say, all right, we're going to stop the run, Teddy will dissect that defense. Um, as far as Trevor goes uh, against this Broncos defense, if they can't block Vaughn, uh, it's over with for him. Um, so Cam Robinson and Jawan Taylor, uh, they better show up because the tackles – if you can't block this dude off the coming off the edge, we're gonna have a problem. Trevor you've Lawrence, gotta, you've got to run life. the ball. I, I mean, I go back to this <laughs> last week. You're at, you averaged five yards a carry yeah. last week, and you gave up on that before the half was even done. And that to me is just unacceptable. So for Trevor to have a day like we know he's capable of, he is going to need a run game and a run game that lasts for four quarters of the game. So uh, it, it's been a whole lot of doom and gloom this far in the podcast. But here, here's your bright note. TIA Bank Field 
undefeated so far this season. That's true. Uh, TIA Bankfield is 1-0 thanks to the New Orleans Saints taking on the Packers and absolutely dominating them. So maybe they left some of that uh, good karma, that positive energy, that offensive juice in the locker room. Maybe the Jaguars can just adopt some of it and drop 30 on the Broncos this weekend. Um, we'll, we'll have to see if that comes to fruition. But at, at the very least, that's a positive thing. If you can have some fans cheering for you, maybe that helps to get the guys going a little bit. Um, this week, obviously, we, I think we've made it very clear. James Robinson needs to be in the forecast for Sunday's game. He needs without to get a 20 carries, yeah. I think, and uh, kind of control that game and let things um, materialize for Trevor. And I, I don't understand the fans chirping about Trevor being a bust. And, no, you not know, yet. It's, it's absolutely ludicrous to say that. Not yet. I, the, the biggest thing that I think is strange, and I understand that Urban Meyer wants to run this whole show like a CEO. He wants to put people in positions, and he's just the, 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 the head figure. And he wants to put the right people there, and he'll meddle and tweak and try and you know, tell you, okay. But how did he not get on that headset at some point during the first quarter and tell Daryl Bevel, dial up 25? Dial it up. We're going to strap up our cleats and we're going to outpower these boys. I mean, that's what you do in college. You overwhelm your opponent. And at Ohio State, he did that repeatedly with running backs. And that's why there's so many Ohio State running backs in the NFL because they would dial it up and say, all right, we're going to ram it down your throat. And then you know what? If you load the box up, we'll let our quarterback beat you. Uh, But I don't know how he didn't. Yeah, I think it goes back to inexperience. I think it goes back to inexperience and, and him not being comfortable with things and um, I think he'll get there. I think he'll get there probably earlier than uh, than he would have um, originally. Uh, I think uh, losing is, is extremely tough for him, and I think he, you know, as you mentioned, he's going to have to take a more proactive role. He's going to have to step up, and you know, when things aren't going right on that offense, make that call. And I don't know if 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 it's an insecurity thing, or he's mentioned so many times that he's learning things each week, uh, leaning on people in the organization who've been there and done that. And I think he's going to have to be more assertive. In this uh, in this offense and this team, yeah, he's going to have to adjust his approach for sure, uh, because he's going to have to to adapt and push through as with way he wants this team to work. Um, there have been a lot of different things that are rolling, and he's clearly not liking them. I mean, after the game, it took him forever to get to the podium to talk to the media. Um, And then there are reports now that he's not going to be talking to the Denver media this week prior to to Sunday's game. So Urban is definitely not okay with the way things are right now. Um, And he's going to have to figure out it's going to – first and foremost, it goes to your coaching staff. Um, He's, you know, gone on record multiple times saying how he thought the Jaguars had talent and that they just hadn't been – able to reach their peak and, and get the most out of it, which to me was an indictment of the previous coaching staff and almost like saying, all right, well, I got my guys and we know what we're doing and we're going to get the most out of these guys. Even though they won one game a year ago, we believe in them and we believe in our system. Well, now that your system hasn't worked against a team that is widely expected to be one of the worst in the league, and they're, they're making no bones about it. I mean, they didn't put together a roster that's trying to make a run at a playoff. Um now he needs to look in the mirror and say, okay, what's next? How do we fix this? Um, on Friday, Meyer was asked if he worried about if, they'll, if the losses came early in the season, would that hurt the culture that he's trying to build and install here in Jacksonville? And he said he's worried about that in the past, but he wasn't worried here in Jacksonville with the guys that he has. But he also admitted that it's never been a problem before because he's always won. So now that he has lost and 
uh, you know, they're probably going to lose on Sunday. I'm not picking them to beat the Broncos. So you start this year 0-2, all of that uh, plus-two mentality, all of that own it starts to look, you know, guys aren't looking at that as as great as it was before. Maybe they're like, oh, maybe Urban did need to stay in college and starting to question it. So now how does he adapt to that questioning and, and almost reinstill himself into that locker room to make sure that those guys stay bought in and say, okay, look, hey, this is a long haul. We knew we weren't going to win a Super Bowl this year, so let's not look at these losses and start painting a bad light around what we were, what we are trying to build for the future. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with Urban is is trying to learn how to coach when things are even. You know, he mentioned this week the margin of error is so small. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, Florida, you don't have, you know. Two stars going against uh, five stars. I mean, your roster is loaded. Uh, so I think Urban is going to have to almost reinvent himself as a coach when things are so much more negligible. The talent difference in the NFL is very, very small as opposed to blue bloods like Ohio State and Florida. Um, you know, you've got the ringers on those teams. And um, I think it's a, it's a gut check for Urban. And he mentioned even um, on Monday of this week that the margin for error is so small in the NFL um, it's not like it was in college, and I think that's a change for Urban, and uh, how he responds to that is uh, is going to be a week-to-week thing, I think, for him. You know, and we'll have to see if he's able to adapt quickly enough to really make Sunday's game competitive. I guess we're at that point where let's look ahead. What what do the Jaguars have to do in your mind to pull out a win on Sunday and get that record back to 500? I think they have to play better defense. I think the offense will, uh, will come around. I think they'll – look at the errors of last week and say, hey, we've got two backs who can carry the ball. Um, Why can't we be a power running team and uh, let our rookie quarterback grow in the process? I think the offense will come along. I think the offense has more potential at this point. We mentioned offensive lines. The first time those five guys have played together with Trevor Lawrence um, did not play particularly horrible. Um, Kind of just played, you know, kind of middle of the road, I thought, um, on Sunday. Only one sack allowed. Um, opened up the holes well when uh, the, the the actual ball carriers actually carried the ball, which wasn't much. Um, so I think the offense, to me, has more potential to, to have a quicker turnaround if it employs the things uh, like James Robinson, Carlos Hyde running the ball uh, much, much more. The defense, I think, is, uh, is a bigger issue. Um, again, 37 points to the Houston Texans and Tyrod Taylor is just not that good. I know you're more bullish on the defense, um, you know, Joe Cullen and, and stuff being, uh, you know, being there, but you've got, you've got to have a better defense than what we saw last week. 37 points to the Texans and Tyrod Taylor, just unacceptable. All right, I'm going to look at both defenses here to start off with. If I'm the Jaguars defense, there's no way. I'm, I'm loading the box. I'm telling Teddy Bridgewater, good luck. Um, you can beat me. I, if I if I am the Jaguars, I am okay. If Teddy Bridgewater has to go out there and throw three touchdowns and 400 yards to beat me, that's what it is. But Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, you're getting hit every second you every time you touch that ball. I'm putting eight nine men in the box every play. There's no way you're running in the ball down my throat all year all game long. And that's what the Broncos want to do. So I would make them beat me with Teddy Bridgewater without Jerry Judy and in that passing game. If they can't do it, then the defense will be fine. I I know you know I'm. I will straight up tell you there's no pass rush to be spoken of, but I'd, I'd, I'll take my chances with Teddy. So that's what I would. Uh, Joe Cullen should be doing this week. If he can load up the box, stop Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams in that Broncos running attack, just let's, let's see what Teddy's got. If Teddy can put it in his arm and, and throw it 40 times and beat us, great. For the offense, well, if, if I'm the Broncos defense – 
what I'm doing is I'm loading the box and I'm going to tell you, all right, I want you to put it on Trevor's shoulders. I'm, I, I mean, I think they should have very similar game plans. Uh, after last week, Trevor looked okay, but he's shown that he'll make those rookie mistakes. If I'm the Broncos' defense, I'm okay with letting him make those rookie mistakes. I want you to show me, okay, you're either going to be this prodigy or you're going to make those rookie mistakes and we'll take those turnovers. Thank you. God bless. So if I'm Daryl Bevel, I don't care if they put eight, nine men in the box. You better run it just for posterity. Let's let's hand that thing off. Let's Even if they're not picking up yards, the runs don't have to work. Just make them respect it and say that you will hand it to them. You knew nothing was happening last week, and that's the problem. And it was yeah. so disappointing because when the Jaguars ran the ball – they had success. They had success when they ran the ball last week. They averaged five yards a carry. And, again, I, I sound like a broken record, but to give up on the bread-and-butter run in the first half of a game is just absolutely embarrassing. And I just think it, it circles back to play calling and being outmatched in that uh, in that moment uh, against the Texans. And um, I'm with you. I think run the ball as much as possible mm-hmm. on Sunday. Don't, don't let ha- them talk you out of it. Don't let them look you out of it. 51 passes for Trevor Lawrence no. is, is should not happen. Hand it off. Don't let them look you out of it. They're going to put eight guys in the box, hand it to him anyway. Even if you only pick up two yards, at the very least, they have to respect that you will hand that ball off. The way they called the game on Sunday, you didn't have to respect it. You knew what was coming. Hand him the rock. And, you know, one other thing that I kind of took away, and maybe this is me overreacting, but from what I've seen from this coaching staff, do you think that they're dedicated to James Robinson, that they're bought into him? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. That's the feeling that you continuously get. I mean, they drafted Travis Etienne. They brought in Carlos Hyde. I mean, Hyde literally got more attempts early in the game than James Robinson did. Uh, So it's starting to feel like maybe they're not as in love with this running back as the rest of us are. Um, you know, right or wrong, but I'll tell you, Carlos Hyde ain't better than James Robinson. I don't know who they've been looking at or who they're talking to. He's not. Sorry about it. I'll I'll tell Carlos Hyde this myself. I I have no problem telling him. James Robinson doubled up James Robinson in carries last week. Can't do that. So on Sunday we need to let's see J Rob. Let's hand him the ball. J Rob twenty five. Um, twenty five carries for his number twenty five. Hopefully a couple of touchdowns mixed in there. Um, I'm. I mentioned it earlier. Um, I'll go ahead and, and drop a prediction again on this one. I, I think the Jaguars lose this one. I, I'll give the Broncos 27, Jaguars 17. I'm going to switch it up. I say Denver playing in the Florida heat. Um, I think they struggle. And I think um, you know Teddy Bridgewater played at uh, TIA Bank a couple years ago, did not have the best game um, when he was with the Saints. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say – Jacksonville 27, Denver 20. Okay, we'll take that. A close one. That'd be a nice way to open up the Trevor Lawrence Urban Meyer era at the bank. Hopefully it's a sellout. And next week when you, you visit us here at the News for Jags podcast, we're talking about our reaction to the Jaguars' first win. Uh, I'd like Justin to be right on his prediction here and, and me to be wrong. I'm just not sold on it. I think this Broncos team is really good. Um, as always, we appreciate you taking some time to listen to us. Uh and hopefully you, well, next week when you tune in, we'll be talking about uh, a one-in-one football team. That's right. But, um, again, what do you want to see out of this game? You want to see Trevor throw the ball? What do you want to see? Uh, I want to see Trevor make better decisions. Obviously, I don't want the three interceptions again. So I want to see him protect the ball. Uh, there were some throws in there where he forced it, and there, some of those interceptions were throws that he needs to be able to make. 
and those are throws that we've seen him make. I want to see them push the ball down the field. All of this, you know, dink and dunk stuff, that's great. Let Trevor throw the ball down the field. Let's get him open, and that's where the running game comes in because it's going to suck the safeties in, and DJ Chark should be able to take a one-on-one matchup. Tyron Johnson, take a one-on-one matchup. Marvin Jones, I'll take him in a 50-50 ball against most corners in the league. Let's push the ball down the field. Let this dude drop some bombs, and uh, let's see if we can't uh, get that, that yards per pass up. If, if the Jaguars come out of this game with a loss, okay, I'm fine with that. As mm-hmm. long as they show improvement, right. they cannot come out and, and have a game like last week. So If they walk out, Trevor Lawrence threw three touchdowns, no interceptions, and uh, the defense had four sacks on the game, I'll take that as a win. I'll Absolutely. Take that. Uh, I think you want to see that progress. Hopefully it accompanies a win, but nonetheless, I want to see positive progress. All right, as always, thanks for tuning into the News for Jags podcast. We'll see you here next week.